Well, folks, as we get ready for the message, will you join me in a a word of prayer? God, in this season, as we wrap up this series, I'm aware that uh, there's been a lot of new joys found in this season, and yet there's also been lots of burdens that people have been carrying. And so, Father, we come to you today and ask that for those who are carrying burdens of health uh, concerns and loneliness, uh, of financial worries and family difficulties, would you draw near to all of us, I pray. God, as I turn my thoughts towards this message, would you be using this time, I pray. Would you speak to people and would you change lives? And would you get all the credit and glory we ask in your name? Amen. Well, folks, today we're wrapping up a series that we started as a result of the pandemic. As things began to lock down and as people went into quarantine, Corey and I talked about what some opportunities in this season might be. You know, every challenge, they say, comes with opportunities. And over the last few weeks, we've been talking about what some of the opportunities this season has presented us. And we're wrapping up the series today. But just by way of reminder, I wanted to review some of the things we've talked about. We talked about how having a season of uh, slowing down, a season of quiet, could actually be a season to care for your soul. Uh, We've talked about how this season could actually also be a, a time to help care for people and to walk alongside people in their times of need. We've talked about how this is a very great opportunity to share the faith that you have in Christ. And even on a very practical way, how this season of pandemic is actually here on PEI, where we've not had to deal with the sickness, uh, given us a chance to rein in some of our financial spending and place Christ as king over it all. But today, we get to talk about something that I've been excited about from the very beginning. And that's how to redeem our time. As the pandemic comes to a close, as the season of lockdown begins to fade, as things begin to reopen, it's uh, easy to look back on the pandemic and see how bad it was, to see all the things that we lost. And without a doubt, there were many things that we lost. I'm, I'm still praying and cheering for all of our graduates whose graduation looks very different than what they might have hoped for or thought ahead to. But I also want to remind you that the before times, as many people are referring to them as, they weren't always as great as we might think about it now. It's easy to look at what we lost and think how great the before times were, but I remember what it was like to, to be a pastor in the before times. It wasn't really that long ago. It can feel like it. When the pandemic set in, we had snow on the ground, and this morning when I walked into the office, I could smell the lilacs. It's been a little while, but it's not been that long. But our memories, they can be a little bit short. We can kind of forget how uh, in the season before this, people were dealing with lots of stresses. There were all kinds of things that people stressed out about. And as I passed through people, they were carrying all kinds of burdens because of the obligations that they sometimes put on themselves. I can remember talking with people about how the frantic pace of life had resulted in shallow friendships. Really, it all came down to this one word, 
busyness. People would often talk to me about how busy life seemed, how crazy life seemed, how difficult it was. Or to put it a different way, we felt very time poor. And that's right and that's wrong. We had as much time as anyone else did. There's 24 hours in a day. There's 60 minutes in an hour. And that's the same for everybody. But we felt time poor and that strain and that stress, it it put a huge burden on many of us. As we look ahead to things reopening, one of the things that I'm concerned about is that we might slip back into how we spent our time before. Because how you spend your time is maybe the most important thing that defines your identity. Think about that for a second. If you spend all of your time at a hockey rink, you become known as a hockey player. It defines your identity. If you spend all your time at work, you become known as a workaholic. If you spend all of your time at the bar, you become known as a drunkard. If you spend all of your time uh, at home, you become known as a, a person with a good family life. If you spend your time with Jesus, you become known as a person of peace and love. How we spend our time, in many ways, define what, defines what we become known for. And as we look ahead to things reopening, one of the questions that we're going to have is, how do we spend our time? It's not like we necessarily want to go back to the way things were before COVID-19 forced a whole series of changes on us. And because of that, we've got some options. Because COVID-19 upended our life, we have in many ways similarities between us and a group of people in the Bible. Way back in the olden times, Israel was enslaved in Egypt. And through Moses, God worked mighty miracles and brought the previously enslaved Israelites into freedom, into a a deeper relationship with him, an abiding relationship with him, and one that was different than what they knew. And repeatedly on their journey to the promised land, the former slaves kept facing new challenges. The the wilderness that they were walking through was so different than what they knew before. They would frequently go to Moses and say things like, why have you brought us out here to die? It would be better for us to go back to Egypt and die there. When we're walking through uncommon territory, when we're upended in life, it can be really tempting to want to go back to the way things were, even if we were actually unhappy back then. Like the ancient Israelites, they, were, they knew they were unhappy in Egypt. They knew they were enslaved in Egypt, but at least it was familiar. And this strange new space was so terrifying, they often wanted to go back to the way things used to be. But looking at it from this end of history, we can completely see that was a ridiculous idea. No, God brought you out of slavery into freedom. You should stay free. Why would you ever want to go back to enslavement? And one of the temptations that we face parallels that. 
because we've had this chance under COVID-19, all of the, the obligations have been lifted. A lot of our time requirements have been lifted. A lot of the sports leagues that we signed the kids up for have been removed. A lot of the after-school practices we had to drive kids to had been changed. Work obligations look different. Because of all of that, how we spend our time and what we spend it on, it could look radically different. It did look radically different. And we could want to go back to the way things were, forgetting that actually a lot of us weren't all that happy back then. The other option is to pay attention to Scripture in the New Testament. In the book of Romans, chapter 12, Paul puts it this way. Many of you would have heard this passage of Scripture before. It reads like this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what, it, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans chapter 12 is a commonly cited passage. In fact, I'm pretty sure I've preached this uh, very same scripture to you before. But I want to remind you of something. That God invites us into a season of transformation. And that's not just a, a subtle change. It's not just a uh, a minor difference. And as I was thinking about the difference between transformation and just surface level change, I remembered an event in my life. Back in the year 2001, I know that is a long way back, my wife and I started uh, a new master's degree. We both enrolled in the same degree and we lived in Halifax and we commuted down to Wolfville as we worked on this education program. And we still had the car that I owned when we got married. It was a 1988 Mazda. And this 1988 Mazda, as faithful as it was, was not really in the shape it needed to be anymore to travel to Wolfville and back every single day from Halifax in all the winter conditions. In fact, when it came time for Christmas, uh, I sat down and did up the math and realized that I was spending about 50% more on repairs to the Mazda just to keep it going every weekend. I'd be underneath it, changing bearings and brakes. I was spending 50% more on repairs and parts than I would spend on a new car payment. So that's what we did. Because of some good financing, we were able to buy our first and to this day only new car. And we bought ourselves a 2002 Pontiac Sunfire. Pontiac doesn't even exist anymore. So I found a picture of the car. We're going to see if it works here. Uh, they'll have it up on the screen here in a second. This Pontiac Sunfire 2002, it was a, a pretty basic car. There wasn't anything too spectacular about it, but it was our car. And it's the one that we drove. And there were a lot of new cars on the road around that time. 
But as I got to know this car, I appreciated it more and more. Until one day, I bumped into uh, someone who knew a little bit about cars, and we got talking, and I made some comment about how unique this Sunfire looked. It had different shapes and whatnot to it, different curves. And the mechanic said, actually, that, that car is very, very common. I said, oh, no, I know there's lots of them on the road. He went, no, no. The, the manufacturers got together, and they developed the same chassis for the car. And in fact, the Toyota Matrix, which looks nothing like the Pontiac Sunfire. Uh, here's the Sunfire. We'll try and get the Matrix up. There it is. Those two cars look nothing alike, except they're the same car. There's a little cosmetic differences, but the wheels are the same. The brakes are the same. The chassis is the same. The engine, I'm told, is the same. Please consult with a real mechanic, not some guy who pretends to be. <laughs> there were surface-level changes to those cars. But the foundational thing is that they were the same. That's not the type of relationship that God calls you into when he invites you to follow Jesus. He invites you to be transformed. These days, I drive a, a Ford SUV. Uh, this is a Ford Escape. Yeah, it's a small SUV, but they call it an SUV. It's, it's a good enough vehicle. The type of transformation that God invites you to results in such a difference that you've got as much in common with your old self as my Ford Escape has with an F1 car. Yeah, they've, they move people around, and they've got four things that are round at the corners, but that's where the similarities stop. Uh, the F1 car, the frame is made out of completely different material. The fuel tank is a completely different design. The engine doesn't even work on the same principles. The gearbox is, uh, and there, there's nothing in common with them. And when God calls you into a, a, a walk with Christ, when you accept following Jesus as part of your life, that's the type of transformation that Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 12. It's not the type of transformation where, oh, on the surface we look different. It's the idea that at the very core of who we are, everything's changed. We're not the same that we used to be. So how do we avoid the trap of just making cosmetic changes? And start walking with Christ in a way that results in deep, long-lasting change. First thing that I'd say to you is check who you love. I know it's kind of a, a mushy thing to say after looking at all the testosterone waste race cars. But check who you love. Check what you love. Really, the, the question I'm asking today, as we look towards how we're going to spend our time and how do we do it in a meaningful way, is are you a disciple of Jesus? Or are you just tangentially associated with Jesus? Because following Jesus, that will completely change how you spend your time. Romans called this being a, a living sacrifice. But Jesus' words put it a little bit different in the book of Matthew. 
In Matthew, uh, we read this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must first deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Essentially, Jesus is saying, Following me is where you discover what true life really looks like. Following Jesus will affect your time. It might affect the what of how you spend your time. It might affect how you hang out at the gym or what you spend your time on. But it will affect the why of how you spend your time. And that's a key difference. In the past, we would have probably talked about how you should and shouldn't do certain things, how there's a moral code around those things. But what we really want you to get today is that following Jesus is about a relationship. And as you choose to follow him, you are not changing what you do out of some dead religious obligation. You're changing why you do it. I spend most of my time with teenagers, and so maybe this perspective is more from that angle, but I used to serve in a town where high school sports was everything. The basketball teams would practice early morning and afternoon, and they'd have a game midweek, and they'd have a tournament every weekend. And it was the same across all sports. The same level of commitment was there. I would occasionally feel a little bit of tension with my teens because it would take them away so much. They would be gone so often because of the sports. And it was almost like they felt some guilt about not being at church or not being at youth group. I remember a conversation I had with one one time where I really tried to hammer home this point, the difference between doing something out of religious obligation and doing something out of love. Uh, this particular young lady, she was a soccer player, and I, I made the comment to her, look, it, it's perfectly fine to be on the soccer team. I, I know that's going to take you away a lot, but the question you need to ask yourself is why are you there? Are you there for some sense of personal fitness or accomplishment? Are you wanting to be there because you're the, the star of the team or you're hoping for some path to fame? Like, is that why you're there? Or are you there because Jesus planted you on your team? And you've got a chance to care for your teammates in a way that I as a pastor never could. Are you there because you get to let Jesus' light shine through you and the work that he is doing in your soul change you and change how you're dealing with people? Choosing to be a follower of Jesus changes the why of how you spend your time. We sign our kids up for sports. Yeah, because we want them to get the experience. And yeah, because we want them to get better coordination. And yeah, because we want them to be part of a team. But largely because they love their friends. 
and they want to show their friends what Jesus looks like. We volunteer at a, a, a homeless shelter because we want those who are homeless to know Jesus. We put in extra hours at work, not because, hey, we want more money, but because, okay, maybe we can use that money to fuel the kingdom, but also there's a little bit more relational time with our colleagues and we can show them what Jesus looks like. As we head out from this season of lockdown, the question isn't, are we going to go back to the way things used to be? The question that we're facing is, how do we live out the reality that Christ has changed us in this new season? How do we show Jesus' love, Jesus' character, the hope of eternity that Christ brings to us and those around us in the places we spend our time? And I can't answer those questions for you because I'm not looking at your schedule. And the answer to those questions isn't, I just need to be more rigorous in the use of my schedule. But the answer is to willingly turn all that we spend our time on to the one that we chose to follow. How do you redeem the rest of your life? How do you redeem the use of your time? You turn it over to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I know that you have plans for our lives. You see things far ahead of what we see. And God, as we look towards this next season, we pray that you would help us redeem our time to look towards how we can love on people and care for people and point them towards you so that they can have life now and life forever. I ask this in your name. Amen. Hi, everybody. We're unpacking the message now, just a conversation between me and Micah. Micah, thanks for the thoughts you shared about this most important topic. Uh, I, uh, that phrase, redeeming the time, yeah. that almost really assumes that we do make mistakes with our time, <laughs> that yeah. it has to be redeemed. In other words, it has to be bought back. It has to be recovered. There are things to repent of. Um, so I want to think about that just for a moment. Like, do, um, you're not, are you thinking along the line? A lot of people will be thinking, oh, do I waste my time? Mm. They worry about that. Mm. But that's not exactly what you were talking about. But No, there's a, there's a way of doing, like, when we say waste, of t- uh, waste our time, often we think, like, oh, you're relaxing too much or you're resting too mm. much. And, like, that's not it at all because, like, Jesus talks about Sabbath. God talks about Sabbath. Take, take rest. Enjoy rest. God built us to love recreation. Um, it's the spending time on things that don't move the kingdom forward. Mm. Uh, that all of us who claim to follow Jesus, and, and that's, there's a big divider there. Like, when you agree to follow Jesus, when you turn your life over to him, there, there's a big, that's a big decision. Uh, one of the things as a youth pastor that I always wrestle with is that youth events, when it's treated very lightly, like at the altar call, it's like, no, no, this is big. This is huge. Uh, so for those of us who've chosen to follow Jesus, uh, how we spend our time changes because we now follow the rabbi, the, the teacher. Like it, we're doing things his way. We agree to it. And so how we spend our time has to be 
based around that. I wonder if there's a lot of guilt about the way that we spend our time in terms of like, it's a time guilt yeah. that I'm not being productive enough. I'm not being efficient enough. Yeah. And then like, follow me for a minute, how that leads to us trying to squeeze more in and add more yeah. to our schedules. And I wonder what Jesus would say to that, right? The more that we add, what does that do to our souls? And what does that do to our focus? I think that does relate to what you were talking about. Over the last number of years, there's been this uh, change of the uh, the word, how we use the word religion. Uh, religion used to be like, it, it, was, it meant follow Jesus. But now it's come to represent the, the dead ceremony type things that we do. And I think that, you know, that drive to try and squeeze more and more in, Jesus would look at that and go, that's dead religion. Mm. It's not about doing more. It's about um, walking with Jesus and building that relationship more. Mm. Uh, not about racking up brownie points, right? Like we, uh, somebody that both you and I uh, talk about fairly often up in Ontario, they, he has this idea like there is no brownie points with God. Mm. You, you, you don't upgrade to a first class ticket someday if you can just rack up brownie points. That's karma. That's a totally, that's not Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a, uh, there's an image. I know it's maybe been overused. I've used it here. I've actually literally used it as an object lesson. But um, the first time I saw it was in a book uh, Seven Habits by Stephen Covey. Yes. The idea yeah. of the rocks in the bucket, right? Yeah. And not to go into too much detail, but successively fit a whole lot of stuff in, uh, different size rocks, sand, water, you know, surprises the whole class that he's teaching. Yeah. But the point of the matter wasn't to put more and more, squeeze the most ounce of room out of that bucket as you could, like our lives, we often try to squeeze so much yeah. in. But it's, you couldn't have fit it all in unless you put the big rocks in first. Yeah. And so I wanted to sort of reiterate that and then kind of have a conversation, but begin by asking you if that's true, when it comes to our time, when it comes to our priorities, what would you say are the big rocks? I think that you already answered that, but yeah. let's, let's reiterate. Yeah. So there's a few, like your spiritual walk, yeah. uh, your time with the family of God, uh, and your time pouring into other people who need to hear about Jesus. Like those, from a disciple's perspective, is life more than that? Of course it is. You got to sleep, you got to eat. But in terms of like a follower of Jesus, those are big rocks. Mm. Those are big, like, I got to, I got to get to know Jesus more. I got to spend time around the family. Uh, and I've got to pour into people. I got to advance the mission. Yeah, I'm really hoping today, just as people are listening to the message, they're really thinking about that, thinking about their life. What are my priorities? And, yeah. and how are they reflected in the way that I spend my time? And what am I giving my life to? What am I spending my life on? Yeah. Uh, you really did invite us to think about that today. And I'm right with you, right? Like, we were always taught, I was always taught, and I know you were raised in a similar kind of background, put God first. Yeah. But then what does that look like, right? When uh, you mentioned the kids and the sports practice, what does that look like when, uh, you know, work is in demanding seasons of work, yeah. right? And, and I think that you were kind of alluding to this, though you were very gentle on us, uh, in terms of how we make compromises often, right? Yeah. It's easy to do, I know. And I, I want to be careful there because sometimes it's not about, hey, what is right and what is wrong, but what is God calling me to right now? Mm. Right in this moment, what does it mean to follow Jesus here? 
And sometimes we get it wrong and sometimes we get it right. But whatever, we have to like take the next step towards Jesus. Mm. Right? Like it's, I don't really, I don't want to dump on people on their past decisions like you. It's the, hey, what's your next step going to be? Mm. And is it going to be towards Jesus or not? Yeah. Uh, that's where repentance is. It's leaving the past behind, right? yeah. but you got to turn from it first. Yeah. And it's, so it's just owning up to mistakes. It's owning up to sin. It's owning up to rebellion in our heart. It's owning up to misplaced priorities. Right. Yeah. And then sort of moving forward. And I don't know that I said it really clearly, but really what I was getting at is what is the motivation for what you're doing? Yeah. Is it Jesus or is it selfish? And how do and we that find that? that changes everything. Like, I, th- I think I hear people like I, when I when I talk to people, how do we? What's the discovery process? How do you discover what your motives are and should be? Yeah, because yeah. I know a lot of people are looking for the how here. And so, how, like, let's talk for a moment. How would we answer that question? How do you? How do you go in a process of discovery about motives? I'll give you my one or two, but I really mm-hmm. want to hear yours because I like I think it's different for different people yeah. in different seasons. Um, but. Like, there's going to be a couple of them, like, which one makes me look more like Jesus? Which one makes me act more like Jesus? Not in terms of, like, a fakery, mm. but, like, no, no, which one would... It's that old bracelet, right? What would Jesus do? And like, what, which one of these do, would Jesus do right now? <laughs> uh, now that I, we need to bring back the WWJD, but, like, no, that, the impetus behind that was right. Um, another would be, like, hey, if I am spending time around the people of God, if I'm in house church or if I'm in relationship with people uh, who are trying to follow Jesus, what's their counsel? Yeah. Right? Like we, a couple of minutes ago, we found ourselves in one of those conversations. What's the counsel of the people who are trying to follow Jesus? And, and to listen to that because we can be so blind ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Uh, what about for you, Corey? What are a couple there? Yeah, well, just let me start with what you would everybody probably expect me to say, but it's the truth. And it is the more time I spend with God, the more time that I become more aligned, mm-hmm. I become more aligned to his heart. Yeah. And so it, this is really, you know, dialing it right back. The more time I spend in conversation with God, that conversation we call praying, right? Yeah. And, and so, uh, and for me, that can happen on a, on a reg, regimented, like, daily, you know, disciplined way. But then there are times, periods where we got to withdraw and listen to our hearts. Like, where is my life going right now? But that's conversation with God. And then there's no replacement for deeply, deeply searching and aligning yourself with the scriptures, all focused in Jesus, our King, right? Yeah. And spending time there because it's 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 often and i hear from people all the time it's truth you uh, you read a bible verse or you see a story and you see yourself in it yeah and you see like you read zacchaeus and you say oh my goodness i am a greedy whatever yeah. right and, and it does it, it changes your heart and so i just wanted to encourage you know people just a little bit with that yeah yeah one of the things that i definitely want to say in the midst of this though is that Guilt and fear aren't the motivator, mm. right? The, oh, I don't want to screw up God's plan for my life, or I don't want to offend God by making the wrong choice. Good, but also don't let the fear motivate you, right? Don't let it paralyze you. And the guilt, like that's, once the Holy Spirit has corrected you, the past is in the past. There, mm. There's no guilt there, right? Jesus is forgiven. So like don't, as we're figuring out how to spend our time, it's one of the things I got wrong in my early days of ministry. Mm. I would 
ask questions and accidentally make students feel guilty about not being a youth group. <laughs> and it's like, no, no, that's not, that's not it. It's, it's Jesus at the center. And if it is, that's all I care about. So, Okay, well, thank you, Micah. Thanks for this conversation again. Uh, as we wrap this up, and not just out of duty, but let's pray. Yeah. Because that's, that's how we seal these commitments. Yes, let's pray absolutely. together. God, help us to put you first. Lord, you are worth it more than anything else we've ever found uh, in our lives. You are worthy of occupying the place of honor and the place where you direct us. So, Lord, please keep on showing us our heart, our motives, and keep them in alignment with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.